Welcome to the Life 21 Church Podcast. Thanks for joining with us today as we explore the Gospel of Matthew. We pray that as you listen, you would come to more fully understand the answer to this age-old question, who is this Jesus? Happy Saturday to those of you that listen each day. I know for many of us, there's catch-up that happens later. So whenever you're catching up or listening in, may God bless you today. You are dearly loved. I'm so thankful to have you as a part of this journey. And may you be filled with such incredible faith as we continue to hear the words of Christ. Have you ever been on vacation or out of your house and you come back and you find uh, taxes? Maybe your property taxes in the mail It might feel kind of disappointing as you are going out and about and having fun and all of a sudden there's a big bill to be paid. Be encouraged. Jesus Christ himself has experienced such a trial in such a situation. This is Matthew 17 verses 14, uh, verses 24 through 27 rather. Jesus above reproach. Yes, we're going to find out Jesus indeed pays his taxes. Verse 24, it says that after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, this is where Jesus had moved, settled in. He's coming back home after a journey all around the region, preaching and ministering. And it says, after he and his disciples arrived, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Now, I don't know if Jesus was late on paying the temple tax or what was going on, but clearly they were concerned that they thought this Jesus figure was not doing his due diligence to pay the temple tax. And so let's see what Peter answers. This is such a funny story. I love reading this one. In verse 25, Peter says, yes, no, he does. He does. (laughs) When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? Now, if I were Peter, I think I would be a little bit, not creeped out, but very surprised. Peter is having a conversation with the tax collectors outside of the house. Peter then comes into the house and Jesus all of a sudden begins talking to him about taxes. Either Peter thinks that Jesus heard this through the open window maybe, Or he knows that Jesus just went into word of knowledge style revelation, uh, knowing without physically being there what was going on. Now, this story is so short today, but so insightful and so beautiful. It gives us a picture of Jesus's heart to follow his father's instructions and to honor the systems and structures around him. But it also shows what he's doing in the heart of Peter. So Peter comes into the house And of course, Jesus gives Peter a beautiful little riddle question so as to help Peter really grasp what's about to happen. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duties and taxes? From their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. The sons are exempt. Verse 27, though, but so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. 
take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. The temple tax was two drachma. Jesus is promising and declaring that Peter can go out and supernaturally, through his occupational pursuit of being a fisherman, God would partner with that natural pursuit and release a supernatural provision covering both. What a beautiful thing. In other Gospels, it says this is exactly as it went. Peter went out and did it, and it was as Jesus had said. Isn't that how all of life goes? Doesn't it go exactly as Jesus always says? Here, Jesus is giving Peter an opportunity to see a few things. One of the things that Jesus is doing is Jesus is modeling being above reproach. Clearly from Jesus' perspective, he is not feeling obligated to do the temple tax before the Lord. But he is very concerned with not offending them. When we see the life of Jesus, it's very easy for us as Christians to see how he was very offensive. And in fact, oftentimes we can use that as a spiritual excuse for how offensive we are towards others in how we speak and operate. We can operate in independence, pride, judgmentalism, and when people are offended, we can put on that cloak of, well, that's what Jesus did. He spoke the truth, and we can deceive ourselves and not recognize that he only offended people in love and in truth at the right time, in the right way, and in a deep spirit of humility. While being confident to offend people, Jesus was always trying to avoid such a thing. When people are offended, their hearts actually shut down relationally to the person that offended them. That is not God's nature. God is one, and he invites all of creation to function in perfect, complete harmony. Jesus never wants to offend someone and cause their heart to shut down to God or him. That's not his desired outcome. But for our benefit and his glory and the benefit of others, he will always allow us to agree with Satan and to become offended by deception if that's our choice. So here Jesus does due diligence and says, Oh my, I'm not going to offend Peter. This is our solution. I want to encourage us, let's commit by God's grace to be extraordinarily effective at not offending others. Let's follow the way of Jesus. Let's honor the governments in place. Let's honor those around us. Let's work, whether coming into someone's household, into a neighborhood, into a governmental system, into a workplace, let's work to not offend unless by the Spirit of God for the benefit of others. The second thing that Jesus is really introducing to Peter is a paradigm of sonship. Jesus draws from the earthly context of governmental rulers. He says that the kings of the earth, of course, are collecting duties and taxes. They need finances and provision from their subjects in order to have the resources to serve them, govern them, direct them, and to make provision uh, economically and infrastructurally for everybody. 
And he says, though, that those rulers exclude their sons, their offspring, from having to pay it. In doing this, Jesus is reminding Peter of his role as a son. The temple was God's. God was the king over the temple. There was the high priest and there were stewards or managers. But the king of the temple and the king of Israel was the Lord, the Most High God. And so Jesus points Peter to the sonship that he has and that was open for Peter. What's beautiful about being a son, when you're a son, you still give yourself to the family in service and in honor. You're not lazy and self-centered. You still give back, but it's from a different vantage point. A servant gives to a father of a household based on the income they gained on their own. A son gives back to the father from the income and the provision that the father has helped the son step into. Jesus models that and says, no, we're going to give back to this temple, but we're doing it as sons and not just as distant servants or distant subjects. Peter, of course, was one of the apostles that invited the Gentile nations, the Jews and the Gentiles, into a sonship where it didn't negate them recognizing that they were subjects of a king and the king was worthy of all their finances, all their wealth, but they were also sons and daughters. This is so important to function both as servants and subjects and as sons. If we miss out on one, our relationship with God is very imbalanced. The other thing that's noteworthy, kings of the earth depend on your duties and taxes. They are powerless without them. Not so with God. When we see him as the eternal, all-powerful king and the everlasting father, we recognize that his invitation and his commands to give back to him for his purposes is not because of a need in him. It's rather out of an invitation for us into the same fullness that he has. He has all that he needs, all the cattle on a thousand hills. But when he invites us to give, it's not for the furtherance of who he is. He's complete. It is for our own development, maturation, and blessing and for the blessing of those around us that he can bless through our agreement. The sons are exempt, Jesus said, but so that we may not offend him, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. One other dimension of what Jesus is revealing to Peter as a son is the father's provision. Jesus was saying, Peter, I'm going to cover for you too. I don't want you to just go out as a servant, get a fish and take care of my tax for me, you servant. Yes, I want you to serve me, but I want you to recognize that the father wants to provide for me as a son and for you as a son. I'm coming to my father and his provision on this one with my brother. Let's go together. So as Peter pulls out that coin and he experiences God supernaturally causing a fish 
to swallow a drachma coin that God in his sovereignty caused someone to drop or knew that they would drop. And God knew that the coin would get stuck in the mouth, in the jaws, but not go down the ingestion tube. (laughs) In that moment, I'm sure Peter was stunned. Whoa, my father pays for me and Jesus. And Jesus and the father in that moment exalt Peter to a place of appropriate, humble equality with Jesus as a son. May you be encouraged. God looks down at you and is inviting you into that provision. Whereas he provided for Jesus, he provides for you. The last insight for us today, Jesus gave Peter a task. Many times in Christianity, we can really delight and overemphasize the supernatural. I remember thinking about the Israelites and how bread, manna came down from heaven and God fed them daily by physical bread manifesting from heaven. And I thought that was so cool and so exciting, and it certainly is. But God's supernatural provision came due to their lack of obedience and faith. And his supernatural activity ceased the moment that they had enough faith and that the dying out process was complete so that they could go into the land and receive his provision through natural means by collaboration in obedience. That is such an important point. It is so easy to highlight and testify to God's supernatural activity, which is absolutely good. But we never want to exalt it when, in fact, God has a different way that he'd prefer to meet us. And he's having to come through out of his fatherly protection and covenant because we've not faithfully done all the way what he's given to us as his ways. God's committed to provide, but he'd much prefer to provide to you and through you in your mature, faith-filled obedience than in your disobedience and unbelief. In this situation, it's not Peter's unbelief that causes God to move supernaturally. God moves supernaturally for many different reasons. But God does want to engage Peter in his natural trade. Jesus could have gotten his temple tax from any context. But the Father and the Son Jesus working together supernaturally had positioned it where Peter would access supernatural provision by walking out in his trade the natural skill that he had developed. Hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking in this. May you be one that engages, that utilizes your training, that becomes excellent in your trade. Whatever skills God's given you, whatever thing has been developed in you, go and be excellent in it. For Jesus wanted Peter to cast out his line to go fishing again like he spent his life doing, and in him being obedient and walking that out, God would supernaturally empower him and multiply the provision that would come through what Peter could do on his own strength. May your strength and God's strength be combined. May you be a collaborator as a servant, yes, but also as a son and as a daughter. The prayer prompt for today is, Jesus, why do you go out of your way to not offend people? Seek out his heart conversationally, and may you get more insight as to why he's so protective of our hearts. 
protecting us from offense. Thanks for joining with us today. May God continue to reveal to you by his spirit who indeed is this Jesus.